0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
1: Welcome in, Rob Black your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Show dedicated to getting you to retirement. One of the people that I work directly with... In a kind of indirect kind of way, because we're in different states, the CFP Chad Burton, you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. There's a lot of great downloadables and reads at newfocusfinancial.com. Um, when we decided to work together, we decided we were going to educate people first. And if the business fell into place, it fell into place. If it didn't, we educated people. So I'm proud of that, Mr. Burton. How are you today? Doing well. How about you? Doing well. Doing well. Um, let's talk. Big picture stuff. There's a lot of downloadables, and there's a blog at newfocusfinancial.com. One of the blogs that are, is recent, uh, people can go see on their own time. They could, you know, cut and paste it, print it, uh, what have you, is tied towards HSAs. Now, HSA is a health savings account, I'm sure, and most people are probably most familiar with health insurance, like their HMO or their PPO, and not necessarily, what is an HSA? It sounds like something rich people use. What is an HSA, Chad?
2: Well, you can kind of look at it as a super Roth IRA for medical expenses, Um, but there's some you got to kind of figure it out. Uh, First of all, most people are used to the type of health insurance where you got a small deductible and you go to the doctor and you pay some co-pays and then you have a maximum out of pocket each year. Um, In order to get this super Roth IRA for medical expenses, you have to change the health insurance plan that you have to a very high deductible plan. Which puts you at risk for having a lot more out-of-pocket expenses. Right. So if you're a family of four and you have, you know, two people that happen to get injured, like you got kids in sports and you know you had two blown out knees, something like that. Yeah. It it can get kind of expensive. So you, you have to be careful of it. You can't just look at this thing and say, oh, if I get this high deductible plan, I can put money into this health savings account. I can get a tax deduction. No, doesn't even matter your income limits. You can get a tax deduction, and then the money can be invested and grow tax-free for the rest of your life, like a Roth IRA. It's got a little bit more to restrictions on how you can take it out. But if you create this huge account for retirement that's yep. tax-free and it's invested like a Roth IRA, and you see these fidelity studies that we talk about all the time, where you have 250 grand that you have to set aside for health expenses in retirement, yep. like copays and Medicare Part B what a great idea that you could set that, that bucket away in in an account that's growing tax-free forever.
1: Is it fair to say an HSA is an emergency fund for bad years of healthcare where accidents happen and you kind of blow through your insurance too fast or you hit your, it's expensive. Is it a, is it an emergency plan for healthcare? Is that a, is that theoretically right?
2: Not really. I wouldn't okay. even call it that. I, I would, you've, you, there's some, there's some big drawbacks to this because again, you don't want to be a, a family where you're kind of living paycheck to paycheck, uh-huh. um, and you all of a sudden get this plan. You think you can put some money away into a health savings account, and then, like I said, you, you two people get hit with really high deductibles. I mean, you're talking about um, you know seven thousand dollar deductibles on no this question. plan, Rob. So it, it's you have to have really your emergency reserve set up in addition to starting to fund this investment account. It's only good for people with extra cash flow, people that don't go to the doctor that much, they're maxing out their 401k, they're maxing out the Roth, they've got emergency reserves set up, and they're like, I've got extra cash flow, where do I put this? That's who really need to look at a health savings account.
1: I've got a friend who was just diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, sadly, and uh, he never had health insurance because he didn't believe in it. He didn't believe in Western medicine, so... Off-topic, I know, but um, it's just a financial issue. Some people don't like insurance. Some people don't like uh, using money in that manner. What's the proper way to use an HSA, Chad?
2: The proper way to use it is to don't use it. <laughs> That's <laughs> it really frustrating. Is. I know, I know. Well, I, I had a conversation with this, one of my larger clients, that um, with working with one of our really, really good CPAs, and um, I looked at the health savings account statement, um, and it had gone down, and I'm like, Hey, uh, you know, Mr. Smith, why did you pull money out of the health savings account? Well, the CPA said to use it for health expenses. I'm like, no, no, no. You, what you do, the proper way to use this thing is again, you're a person with higher cash flow. A lot of times it's best when you're empty nesters, yep. so you don't have kids in sports that might get hurt and you're healthy. And so the idea is that you have these high deductible plans, you sock money away into these accounts that, you know, You can get several thousand dollars into these things and deduct it on your tax return. And if you have health care expenses, you still can afford to pay for it out of your normal cash flow. The idea is to not use the health savings accounts. I don't know why people want to put the money in and then turn around and pull it right back out. There's no point in it. It's just actually a headache. So, you don't use the account unless there is a massive emergency. You've gone through your cash flow. You have a major health care cost. The idea is to save this let it build up in, in uh, investments. You can invest in index funds and ETFs, you know, low-cost, broad-based index funds. Let it build up tax-free for retirement. And then all of a sudden, you retire at 65, and you start having, you know, usually about 550 to 600 bucks per person average medical costs per month in retirement. Not right in the beginning, but that's what it'll average. And you have an account that you can pull money out of totally tax-free and use it to pay those expenses. So again the, the the proper way to use it you know you're single or married empty nesters very healthy don't go to the doctor that much so you can afford to have a high deductible plan and uh, you have a lot of cash flow
1: sounds about right and people can go to newfocusfinancial.com get a copy of this blog there's hundreds not hundreds there's tens and twenties of blogs at newfocusfinancial.com <laughs> Um, not allowed to exaggerate in our industry, Chad. So people can learn and read it on their own time. And again, you're you're setting up who should be reading it. Um, we both know a CFP who's about forty, and he's super healthy and uh, single, and I don't think he's ever going to get married. So that might be for him
2: per se. Yeah, that's a a perfect example. And speaking of healthy, I mean, don't go into retirement not healthy. Or if you are c- going to retire and you're not very healthy, make that be the focus of your first. You know, several years in retirement because too many people go into retirement not healthy, and they spend their time going to doctors instead of enjoying retirement so uh, focusing on your health is just as important as focusing on your investments in retirement.
1: No doubt about that um, i 've seen people age, and as they age, they like going to the doctor sometimes because it 's a person to talk to. I talked with your mother recently um, she 's in super good shape my mom 's not in super good shape let 's talk a little bit about health and retirement, and I know the hSA is important, but Awesome. Maintaining your health and going to to a gym or going to a, a football field and doing the steps, uh, probably pretty important.
2: Yeah. There's, um, Ben Greenfield has a podcast that I'm addicted to. It's kind of a longevity type of a guy. And for, for people that are in retirement, bike, swim, and play a racket sport. Um, that type of different, type of movement all the time helps people stay really really healthy and studies are starting to show that exercise and cellular health are more important to fight cancer and alzheimer's most people think about alzheimer's and dementia like keep your brain active do sudoku puzzles and all this other stuff and crossword puzzles no you need to stay healthy you need to work out and eat right um, eating right's great, but working out and lifting weights help, helps keep your bones strong, so you're not going to fall down and break a hip and be in a nursing home for six months. I would say that sounds good, but
1: it sounds more realistic than good. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. We were just talking using health savings accounts from a blog at newfocusfinancial.com. Health-saving accounts were created in 2003, so you may not have childhood memories of them because they're relatively new, and you need to learn how to use them. They're incredible financial tools, Um, a lot of good uh, blogs and events at newfocusfinancial.com, including the mega backdoor and much, much more. Check it out at newfocusfinancial.com.
0: Catch Rob Black and Rob
1: Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves weekday mornings from 7 to 9
0: on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220
1: KDOW. Welcome back in, Rob Black and Your Money. This is Regina Spector. And this was a uh, kind of a love song between me and my wife. I tell Chad, don't age these spots. So now I can't get divorced because I said it was between me and my wife because it'll age poorly. Right, Chad? <laughs> yeah, I would say so.
2: <laughs> Especially if I have another wife and it's a different song. No, nope. just use the same song. Don't tell her. It's not <laughs> like she's going to go back and listen to this old podcast. I'm, you are
1: genius. You are genius. Whoa. <laughs> We're talking about some of the blogs that you've put together with your team and our team at newfocusfinancial.com. There is a ton of them at New Focus Financial. There's also some stuff people can download. Some of it's very basic. I put together a piece on 25 Great Quotes by Warren Buffett. Um, it's not exactly complicated, but it is good to have mantras that you live by. Uh, you've put together with your team, the, uh, there's healthcare savings, there's backdoor Roth, Articles. There's you know tax free account balances. There's conversions. There's things about gifting. There's a lot of education there, which we don't get a lot of in our school. But let's talk about the 401k Roth, 401k Mega Roth. Why are there so many types of 401ks?
2: Well, um, so if the first thing that happened was the Roth IRA, where people can contribute to a a Roth IRA account, um, if they make under a certain amount, and then it grows tax-free, and then they started offering a Roth bucket inside of a 401k plan. So, there's annual deferral limits, and almost every company now has that option where you can say, do I want to put a dollar of my deferral into the pre-tax bucket and have immediate tax savings? And then it grows tax-deferred, but when I retire, it's 100% taxable. Or you could take a dollar and you could put it into the Roth 401k. There's no tax benefit currently, but it grows tax free for the rest of your life. Um, and I tell you what, when you're looking at um, a 12% income tax bracket for married people filing jointly, so taxable income under like 79,000 ish, um, plus a standard deduction for a couple of 24 grand or a little bit over that now. Um, a married couple filing jointly that's making around 90000 should be looking at the Roth 401k, because currently their taxes are under 12%. And if they're saving and they're young, you can bet in retirement they're going to have a much higher tax bracket. You can bet in 10 years taxes are going to be higher. There's just no way we're going to keep these taxes level. Um, so, you now have several choices. There is a lot of people think, Rob, about the 401k as oh, there's only the deferral that I can make and then the match that I get from my employer. Okay. But a couple of years ago, some changes made it so that 401ks are bringing back what's called the after tax contribution. So, this is really kind of targeting, again, high income earners, people that are trying to catch up on their savings. They're already maxing out their 401k to the highest amount in terms of deferral, right? and they're trying to find more places to put money. And one of the best things that you can absolutely do now is make an after-tax contribution to your 401k. So, let's say you've been told constantly, oh, you've, you've maxed out your deferral limits. You've maxed out your deferral limits. Well, that's fine. If you work at Apple, Lockheed Martin, Cisco, Microsoft, Google, IBM, FedEx, Facebook, they all... Have the ability to put in after-tax money on top of that. Question:
1: As a CFP, I don't think you deal with a lot of 401ks directly. Do you nudge people to do this themselves,
2: or well, do we, you, do do you we do it? We do it four? directly all the time. Yeah, okay. I mean, just yesterday we outlined the changes that need to be made um, for somebody based on not only budget but you know the new maximum limits and things like that, um, and then we help pick fund choices in the 401k. Um, so we don't trade the 401k daily. Like, you know, we can trade, not like we make daily trades, but like we can actively manage a trust account or IRA account or whatever, but we, it's, it, it's all built into the financial plan. How much should be put away? What should be invested in, um, all of these different issues.
1: I think that's what I like about CFPs the most is some of the things that I want to do, like after tax, uh, contribution. That is the last thing in the world in my mind. Like I've already maxed it out this year. I'm going to go sit on the couch and eat corn chips. Um, but when you get a nudge, I think it it, it helps the financial plan really become quite robust. Um, how about what companies are doing this after tax 401k Roth issues because they're kind of new.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, and um, and some companies make it really easy. Like if you look at um, Microsoft, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, when you log into the 401k, there's all these drop-down menus, and it's asking you how much do you want to put in deferral, how much does that goes into pre-tax versus Roth. Do you want to make an after-tax contribution? And here's the biggest part of it: the idea with these after-tax contribution, Rob. Let's go back for a minute and say, okay, what are the different money types? Because you can make over 19,000 deferral. It, you can it, the numbers increase every year. You can make over 25,000. Next year it's like 26. Uh, deferral out of your paycheck. So, let's say you're doing that. Let's say you're under 50 and you're putting in the max around 19 grand pre-tax into the 401k. And then you get a $7,000 employer match. You could put nearly $30,000 in after tax right out of your paycheck if you can afford it. And that once it goes into the account, like at Cisco or Microsoft um you can have the choice that it automatically converts tax-free to the Roth 401k bucket. And all of a sudden you've got 30 grand plus per year growing tax-free for the rest of your life. Um, our Apple employee clients, they have to actually call to get that conversion done. And the only time there's a taxable event if there's a little bit of growth in that after tax bucket. By the time you convert it to the Roth, there might be a little bit of taxable income, but it's really insignificant. Um, So, again, Apple, Lockheed Martin, Cisco, Microsoft, Google, IBM, Facebook, FedEx, um, like Agilent, and a couple other ones. Uh, If you have it at your employer, if you call, you know, always email me so I can keep my list updated. But, um, I mean, it's a really powerful tool.
1: We're starting to run out of time. Quickly, um, what else do we need to know about this? And also, plug newfocusfinancial.com and the documents that are there.
2: Yeah, so there's a great one on on this uh, mega Roth 401k, um, not only for individuals, but for self-employed people, you know, people that are just one person or them and their spouse. Uh, very detailed blogs on this. And you just have to realize now, 401ks need to be rolled over if you have a Roth bucket, because Roth 401ks have required minimum distributions, Roth IRAs do not. You can find out more at
1: newfocusfinancial.com. Come to a seminar with me and Chad. You can learn about those at the event page at newfocusfinancial.com. There's blogs, there's downloadable PDFs that are all free, and um, events. You can learn more at newfocusfinancial.com. We're talking the Roth 401k. That's a biggie. I'm Rob Black. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM
0: 1220 KDOW. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. So in
1: 2019, Coldplay played Saturday Night Live and they played this song... It's mesmerizing the choreography they put together, where they had people that looked like they were in the studio audience dancing. It's pretty cool. Check it out. Um, Coldplay also said something kind of interesting recently. They said they're not going to tour again until they could figure out how to save the planet while doing it, cutting their footprint. Things change. I never saw that one coming, because I would have thought U2, Rolling Stones, and Coldplay would have gone on the big arena tours forever and ever and milked it as long as they could till they are in wheelchairs and died. CFP Chad Burton, let's talk about how sometimes things change and we have to go with it. Fewer concerts, greenhouse gases, things like that, planes. Does that tie into what you do and, like, even like self employed? I got to imagine the rules are changing
2: all the time. Yeah, well, well, hold on. First of all, I was actually in a crowd video for Bon Jovi in 1989. (laughs) <laughs> Please tell more. <laughs> yeah, my I remember my mom had won tickets to this uh, to the Bon Jovi concert, and part of it through this uh, radio station in Portland um, was you got to go see a pre-show. Okay, and so was, and they put everybody down below, so it looked like everything was full. But they filmed the Bon Jovi video, um, and we got to say we were in the crowd. It was pretty cool.
1: Can we pull up a Bon Jovi video and do a screen grab and put you on was, the
2: website? I was just trying to look at it. So it looks like k103.com has like a clip of that. I should I want to go look for myself in it cuz I totally forgot about that until you said something.
1: Brush with fame. So you were that close, you could have killed Bon Jovi. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> oh! <laughs> and history would have been changed forever. Definitely. Yeah. So Bon Jovi is a self-employed worker in America. He doesn't work for IBM or Microsoft or Apple. And working yeah. for Microsoft, Apple and google they have great benefits they got everything online they, they they do healthcare for you they help you with 401ks they help you with all that the the do-it-yourself a rock band guy or the do-it-yourself contractor in california they don't have all that help do they
2: no and um i love america because of entrepreneurship right it's, sure. i mean it's amazing businesses are created and when people take that leap to create something new and take all that risk um, they give up a lot in the beginning to try to gain a lot later, and then they create jobs, and it, and it feels really good. Um, but when people take that leap to say, I'm working for somebody, all too often they take that leap to go self-employed, and all they do is they end up being the, the employee, plus the boss, plus the bookkeeper, and you, they, they don't realize that you have to make about 130% more than what you were earning working for somebody, because you pay both half of FICA, that's called the self-employment tax. You don't have any 401k match. You don't have any disability insurance. You don't have any life insurance or health insurance. Um, so, you really, if you're you know, making $100,000 a year being employed for somebody right now, you are going to be at a loss until you're earning over $130,000 a year self-employed. So, you have to kind of keep that in mind.
1: It's interesting. I was looking at the stats on self-employed. Fifteen percent of self-employed people don't ever save for retirement at all. Thirty yeah. percent save from time to time, and fifty-five percent say they save consistently. So there's going to be a problem when, when the when the, the game ends, when you hit the the goal line, so to speak, where mm-hmm. it, it, it's different being a self-employed employee. And uh,
2: give us some tips. Well, yeah. So businesses will go through these cycles, right? And sure. and the sometimes it's really hard to get a self-employed person to invest in really anything that's stock related because they're sitting there looking at I'm like I've got 25 30 percent revenue growth that's crushing the S&P 500 why would I invest in anything else so okay. it, I mean it's a good question a good why question. would you so there, you go through this cycle of you're building your business you're building your business you're barely making enough to you know pay expenses and your taxes and then you get to a point where you finally have um, a decent income but you're investing back into the business um, to continue to grow it. And then you can finally breathe a sigh of relief. You got okay, now it's, I've built an enterprise that can run itself. There's a book called E-Myth that every self-employed person should read. And then you finally have extra income over and above what you're investing back into the business. So, you get, you know, sometimes it's your late 50s and all of a sudden you're socking massive amounts of money away into retirement accounts. So, it's a cycle, but you still need to, even self-employed people need to really start that cycle of investing early on to create the liquidity, offset risk that your business becomes worthless. Somebody comes in and does it better. Somebody comes in and invests something new or a better service or what you're doing is no longer relevant. What happens? You go from a lot of income in a business to a business that's worthless. So you have to create that liquidity on the side to get through that transition if that happens.
1: I should mention that newfocusfinancial.com, a site you and I created, has a lot of great content from your financial planners who have put together articles. Uh, This is one of them. One of the, I would say, naive things that I've done in the past, Chad, is come up with simple statements. For instance, if you get married, having one partner, an entrepreneur who is self-employed and one partner who works for a big company is the best of both worlds because you get great health you get a good retirement. Like, am I wrong in simplifying it like that? You should look for a partner, not for love, but for practical reasons on saving for retirement.
2: Well, yeah. And, and a partner is number one, a fiduciary when it comes to financial planning. They don't sell products. They don't sell anything that makes them a commission. They provide advice and you pay for the advice um so that's why certified financial planners are trading taxes insurance retirement planning estate planning investing plus they're fee only and they'll put in writing that they're a fiduciary that's a partner
1: it's interesting that you go that direction because i remember when i was learning about 401k when i was getting into the industry because i it was a, a kind of a unicorn it was a dream of like maybe one day i can get people's 401ks and that would be big money but i got into it and i saw like the erisa laws were kind of crazy and I, I can't do the retirement plans, per se, like uh, the big corporate ones.
2: Thoughts? Well, I, I kind of agree. I was managing quite a few 401k plans with another person. And then, eventually, when I started uh, New Focus Financial in 2004, I kind of said, here, you take those plans because I want to concentrate on wealth management and retirement planning. It's kind of two different styles of business. Um, But for going back to the self-employed, if you have employees, it's so easy now to create what's called a safe harbor 401k plan. Okay. In the past, you would be stuck with these insurance product annuity 401ks with super high fees, and and you weren't really acting like a fiduciary for your employees, which you need to. And so now you can create these low cost safe harbor 401k plans where you're able to put as up to the maximum limits in as long as you had agreed to match simply like three percent of what your employees put in. Um, and if they don't put anything, you don't match. Um, and so if you have employees a safe harbor a low cost safe harbor 401k planner are so cheap now to put into play you don't have to go to insurance companies or your you know buddy down the street that sells commission based mutual funds to set these up there's companies that do like robo advisor options of the things and then if you're self employed it's just you you don't have any w2 employees or it's just you and your spouse the individual 401k most people use the sep because their CPAs don't really know how to use the individual 401k properly. So, the SEP IRA is because you go to your your CPA at, after the year is over and you say, what can I do for last year? And the SEP IRA is the only thing you can do retroactively. If you're smart you want maximum flexibility, you want a mega Roth option inside your plan, you do an individual 401k. They're almost always better for anybody with net income of under $300,000 should be looking at a SEP or is looking at an individual 401k instead of a SEP IRA.
1: Let's say, and it can't be you and me. You and I started a business, but we were in the financial world, so we kind of knew a lot of this. But let's say um, a soccer mom starts a business. She gets on Shark Tank. It starts to grow. Who does Mm -hmm. she work with to come up with a self-employed retirement plan? Does she call Fidelity Vanguard TD Ameritrade? Does she call a CPA? Does she call a CFP? It, because you can't do it on your own. Oh, no. Because no.
2: you're working. A, CF, your a CFP first, okay, and, and then the, but the CPA has to be involved because look, here's the deal. We have this. You, you hear about this qualified business tax deduction that you huh. have now of twenty percent. Here is what's really complicated when you're self-employed. Now, if you are qualifying for this deduction and you're self-employed, and you funnel money into a retirement account depending on if you're set up as just a you know, sole proprietor, LLC, Schedule C, or an S-corp, you could actually be giving up the 20% deduction for every dollar you put into a SEP or an individual 401k. So, you have to have advice to say, okay, should I put money in at all because of this 20% deduction? If I do, should I do it as... A salary deferral into a pre-tax, a salary deferral into a Roth, an after-tax contribution that gets converted to a Roth. Because everything you put in depends on how it affects your net income and your taxable income for your business and whether or not you qualify for the 20% deduction. So, if somebody puts in, if they're only at a 12% bracket individually and they put money into a self-employed plan and that dollar only saves 12%, yet they give up a 20% deduction, you see what I mean, Rob? There's this round-robin calculation that has to be done. So it's more important now than ever for self-employed people to have a team of a certified financial planner that knows about all of this, and then a CPA that can model the what-ifs. And then you everybody works together to get the right contribution amounts. So I have
1: a question. All, there's a lot of blogs. There's a lot of events, seminars coming up. There's a lot of downloadable PDFs on retirement issues and investment issues at newfocusfinancial.com. How about old 401k plans? Because I know a lot of people in the Bay Area who've worked for Microsoft, and they work for Apple, and they work, and so they've probably accumulated four or five 401k plans.
2: Yeah, yeah. One uh, minute. And rolling those over, if you're self-employed, rolling that over into an individual 401k, you might have to file an annual 5,500 on it. But if you consolidate all that old stuff and all your old IRAs into that individual 401k, not only can you max out that individual 401k and get in... You know, sometimes 30 grand plus into the Roth side of it, but then you can also do Roth IRAs, the backdoor Roth IRA. A lot of options if you consolidate.
1: Seminars, there's an event page, there's blogs, there's downloadables all at newfocusfinancial.com. CFP Chad Burton, I think, is the, in my personal opinion, I'm really glad that I've met him because he explains the stuff super well. It's complicated. We're not educated on it. Educate yourself at newfocusfinancial.com. You'll learn more there. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at
0: kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
1: Something that I'm super proud of is spending years and years and years with CFP Chad Burton as my partner. Um, We've put together a lot of educational experiences, and we've made people not force them, but we've helped people. Think about retirement and start saving. Um, there's a business component to us as well. You can check it out at newfocusfinancial.com. There's blogs there, there's podcasts, there's events, seminars, which are great. The more touches you could do with a financial expert, the more you're going to absorb. And you, even if you absorb one out of 10 things, it's better than you were. That's 10% better. Um, let's talk about gifting, CFP Chad Burton. Now, gifting to me seems to like come in a nice box, right, with a bow. But when it comes to financial planning, gifting's a, a different topic, so to speak.
2: Yeah, and you know, the funny thing is, is, like the wealthiest clients that I have, and they give a ton, and it's like the more they give, the it's the more it seems like everything they touch turns to gold. Okay. They find you know different real estate investments or or whatever it may be. So it kind of comes back. I will say that I believe in that cheesy Oprah Winfrey the secret type of approach to gifting because I've seen it over the last twenty five years. Um, so the the interesting thing about gifting is though the people that start that gifting process and they feel like they always need to give back they're used to writing checks to their favorite churches and charities and that rarely makes sense for people that have either stocks or mutual funds that have appreciated in value in a normal account I'm talking about a non-retirement account so let's say you invested in a, you know Vanguard S&P 500 fund for years and years and years and you've got this sitting in an account that's in your name or joint with your spouse or in a trust account. And if you sell it, you're going to pay taxes on any of that. Rob, every single major church or charity that you could possibly think of has a brokerage account. Really? At Schwab or Merrill Lynch or wherever. And so, you can simply write a letter of instruction to your brokerage firm. Let's say it's TD Ameritrade. And sign it, and you can send, if you want to give them $5,000, you can send $5,000 of these appreciated shares of mutual fund or a stock, have it sent directly over to the charity in the amount that you want to gift, and you still get the charitable deduction if you qualify, and you just got rid of a tax problem. And you kept your cash. And if you wanted that investment back, you could use your cash, buy the investment back, and you just upgraded your cost basis. You got rid of a tax bill and your charity wins. So you'd almost always want to give appreciated assets to charity instead of cash.
1: Interesting stuff, because as soon as you said every major church has a, a brokerage account, I started thinking about greed is good. And if the, <laughs> if the sermon starts going that direction, maybe you want to find another church. But I'm digressing. Um, yeah greed is good um the process of gifting um what's in it for me because and i'm I'm gonna add something to this before we get into the deduction for me i feel Mm -hmm. like i feel like i'm kind of stingy i feel like i came from a middle-class family and i don't really like gifting whether it be to volunteer like i'd rather volunteer than gift money to
2: a church per se um so what's in it for me well, a, a big deduction first okay. of all. So, if you get a year, let's let's say you sell your business, you sell, you know, real estate, and you have high income, or a bunch of your stock options vest, and you're sitting at the top, you know, thirty five percent plus bracket, okay. state or federal plus, you know, thirteen percent state. Every dollar that you gift, you're going to get basically half of that back in tax savings. So okay. that's what's in it for you. So you can actually gift a lower amount and it kind of doubles the value for you or gift a higher amount. It's even doubling the value for you. So, and it feels really good. That's the other thing. I mean, it just, it just feels very good. So it kind of ends up coming back to you. So do a little bit of both. I mean the people that are super happy in retirement, I keep saying this over and over again, they focus on their health and they focus on volunteer work and their charities and those tend to be the happiest people in retirement. Um, and, Another thing that it can really do for you, too, is that once you hit over Uh 70.5, you are forced to take required minimum distributions out of your IRAs, 401Ks, 403Bs, and if it's from your IRA, you can now um, gift up to hundred grand out of your IRA and have it taken off your tax return. So, if you're sitting there, and let's say you're 75 years old, and you have this IRA, you're not really using it, you're just going to leave it to your kids, and you're forced to take out you know $15,000 in a required minimum distribution this year. You've been tithing to your church with cash every month. Instead, you can get a checkbook on your IRA or have the IRA custodian like Schwab send money from your IRA directly to your favorite charity and it will wipe out the tax bill from that required minimum distribution.
1: Wow, good article on it at newfocusfinancial.com under the blogs. Um newfocusfinancial.com. We're talking about gifting um, let's talk about the bad effects of gifting, and uh, you could say, Rob, you're wrong, or it was just this is uh, isolated, but I've got family that the father in law gifted to their two daughters, two hundred thousand each, one got cash, and one got a plot of land. I feel like the plot of land was better than the cash one per se um because the cash got used
2: well, yeah, giving in terms of gifting when you're trying to you know reduce your estate. Value to avoid estate taxes, gifting real estate. um, You can kind of take discounts on it. It's usually better than cash. And and in that case, a gift tax return had to be filed. Nothing is due. It just reduces the amount you can give later. So people with large estates should be really focused on gifting now until these tax cuts that we have expire because you're not going to be able to gift as much after 2026. I will say, Rob, that. A lot of people, though, with this new tax cut are no longer itemizing their deductions okay. and gifting has changed. So you may not be getting the deduction on your gift to charities and churches. If that's the case, you might do a donor advised fund where you can lump, say, five, 10 years worth of gifting into one year, get a major deduction and then have it invested and then dole it out as long as you want. And then when you die, if there's money left over, you can have your kids be responsible for who, which charities receive that donor advised fund. We've got
1: 45 seconds. Give a good plug for gifting and for the website.
2: Well, yeah, great blog on it. If you go to newfocusfinancial.com or chadburton.com, click on Insights. There's a ton of blogs there. You can download them, check them out. Um, They get updated every year. So, great reads. Good stuff. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find them at newfocusfinancial.com.
1: Seminars are always coming up around the corner. Listen to the commercials. Go to the website, newfocusfinancial.com. Click Events and use code radio25 if you've never been to an event. We'd love to see you there, but also educate yourself. Great blogs, great downloadables, great podcasts, all at newfocusfinancial.com.